the word of God. And this morning, by the grace of God, I'm going to be speaking to you on a sermon that I believe the Lord put in my heart, titled, God's Instruction to a Troubled Soul. God's Instruction to a Troubled Soul. Or God's Word to a Troubled Soul, whichever way you want to put it. God's Instruction to a Troubled Soul. God's Instruction to a Troubled Soul. So if you're out there and you are troubled, if you're out there, you are overwhelmed with worry, if you're out there and you're thinking, how did I get myself into this mess? If you're out there and you're thinking, how am I going to get out of this mess? Then this service is for you and this word is also for you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm going to be taking my text from Matthew chapter 11 from verse 28 to verse 30. Matthew chapter 11, from verse 28 all the way down to verse 30. I read, Come unto me, all ye that labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. May the Lord bless the reading of his word in the name of Jesus Christ. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for the hour that's come. The hour to present the instruction that you are putting in my heart to your people so that their life can take a proper shape and so that they can receive strength in every weak area of their lives. Father, I ask therefore for grace for this hour, for I do not possess in any form the expertise, whether physical, mental, or spiritual, to do that which I'm about to do. I only rely on the help of the Holy Spirit. For your word says, not by power, nor by mind, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. You also said in your word, open your mouth wide, and I will fill it, for I am the Lord God that brought you out of Egypt. I lean on this word that can never fail because you watch over your word to fulfill them. And I ask, Lord, for fresh unction. I ask, Lord, for grace meant for this hour. I ask, Father, for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that destroy yokes and lift burdens to be made available to me and to every hearer and participant of, in this service in the name of Jesus. Wherever they may be across the world, let this word bring life to them. And let your name alone at the end of the day be glorified. We give you praise and we give you glory. In the mighty name of Jesus. Satan, I hold you bound. You have no portion here. We are children of light. And when light shines in darkness, darkness cannot comprehend. I cast you out of this atmosphere. In whichever way you are present in the name of Jesus. I render all your cohorts useless. Against this hour. In the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. For you have heard and you have answered, and I prayed with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right. God's instruction, <clears throat> excuse me, to a troubled soul. One major thing that we will need as believers, if we are going to survive any season of great tumor, predicament, or trouble, on the earth, one thing that we will need to survive all of those things is access 
or what I call unrestricted access to God's rest for our souls. In other words, without this unique rest present in our souls, everything unpleasant that happens around us will continually trouble us, will continually worry us, will continually unsettle us, we continually discomfort us, we continually frustrate us, and eventually can cause us to give up the hope for survival. Without the rest of the almighty God in our soul, we are meat for the devil as God's children. If you are going to survive, in survive any kind of attack that the enemy throws at you, you have to know how to access God's rest within the situation. I've said to people over and over again, it is not every time that God solves a situation by taking it away. But at times God gives us access to his rest so that within the situation, you can still keep your spiritual sanity and mental sanity at the same time. That's why you see here in the book of Matthew where we just read, chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus said, come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. One translation, the complete Jewish Bible, puts it this way. It says, come unto me, all of you, who are struggling and burdened, and I will give you rest. So you see that God has plans for those who are struggling. So peradventure, you are struggling with getting a job. You are struggling with having a child in your marriage. You are struggling with balancing your finances. You are struggling, perhaps you are abroad with your immigration. You are struggling with the bringing up of your children. You are struggling at work. Or you are struggling academically. There is a word from God for you. God said, come unto me, all of you who are struggling. One other translation, contemporary English version translation of the Bible. The contemporary English version. It says, if you are tired from carrying every burdens, Come to me and I will give you rest. There are people that when you see them, you know that they are carrying burdens. There are people that when you meet them, from the first statement they make with their mouth, you know that they are overburdened. There is so much they are going through that life to them is a misery. And God said, I have plans for you. Come unto me in case you are like that. So the word rest, let's look at it very, very closely. The word rest means quietness. So when God said, come unto me, what God wants to do is to quiet all of those storms that are troubling your life. The word rest also means calmness. God will calm the storms and the winds. The word rest also means a great position. I love this one. It means a position of great comfort. So whatever you are going through, God wants to bring you this morning to a position of great comfort. The word rest, I love this one. It means the state of tranquility and stability. The state of tranquility and stability. In other words, no matter what is happening on the right or on the left, God wants to bring you to a place where you will enjoy stability in the midst of instability around you. So God wants you and I to know that rest is available, but we need to know how to access it. Our God is a God of rest. In the book of Genesis chapter 2, if you read from verse 1 to verse 3, Genesis chapter 2, if you read from verse 1 to verse 3, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, 
and all the host of them. Verse 2 says, and on the Sabbath day, on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. Verse 3, I love this one, that's where I'm going. And verse 3 says, and God blessed the seventh day. So you see that with rest comes a blessing. There is a blessing upon those who can access the rest of the Most High God. God blessed the seventh day. One tradition says, and God made the seventh day special. <laughs> he made it special because on that day, he rested from his work. We serve a God of rest, a God of peace. Another word for the word rest is the word peace. Jeremiah chapter 11, chapter 29 rather, verse 11. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. He said, For I alone know the thoughts that I think towards you. They are thoughts of peace and not of evil. That word peace there, you can replace it with the word rest. They are thoughts of rest and not of evil. To give you an expected end. Jeremiah 29, 11. To give you an expected end. Our God is a God of rest. He makes rest available to his children. In the book of Hebrews chapter 4. If you read from verse 9 down to verse 10, I'm trying to lay a foundation here for you. Hebrews chapter 4, from verse 9 to verse 10, he said, There remaineth, I like that. Hebrews 4, 9 to verse 10. He said, There remaineth, therefore, a rest to God's people or to the people of God. The KGV says, There remaineth a rest to the people of God for he that is entered. You see that? You enter into rest. That's what I want to preach about access to it. You have to enter into rest. He said, for he that is entered into his rest, that is God's rest, he also had ceased from all of his works and God, that as God did from his. It is time for you and I to enter into God's rest. God spoke to, to, to Moses in Exodus 33. Exodus 33 verse 14. God was very clear when he answered Moses. Moses was saying, oh, you know what? This is what we are going through. In Exodus 3 verse 14, God said to him, he said, and he said, my presence, look at that, shall go with you and I will give you rest. So this morning I prophesy in the name of Jesus that this day you are now entering into the realm of God's rest in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, quick, let me give you some facts about God's rest. Some facts about God's rest. Number one, the God's rest is an anchor for our soul. An anchor for our souls. When we are talking about the rest of the Most High God, if you enter into it, it's an anchor for your soul. The word anchor, listen to this, means a device, usually of metal attached to a ship or boat by a cable and cast overboard to hold it in a particular place, to hold it in a particular place by means of a fluke that digs into the bottom. When you see an anchor, an anchor is, it, 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 every ship has it. And when they get to a place where they want to stay, they want to stay or they want to, uh, they want to rest, they will always cast down the anchor. The moment the anchor is casted down, everything about that ship becomes stable. The moment the rest of God comes into your life, he functions like an anchor. 
He functions like an anchor. You don't need anybody to tap you, beg you, uh, manipulate you, uh, appease you. No, the rest of God causes stability and security in the harbor of life. What am I trying to say here? Listen very carefully. Whether you know it or not, access to that rest can change everything about your life. The word anchor, I love this one. It also means a reliable or principal support. A reliable or principal support. A support that is there is a reliable one. Every sheep that wants to be stable requires it. Every sheep. I read something some time ago about an anchor. The word, that, word, that anchor, when you go to the tomb of the, of the early Christians, the underground tomb in Rome of the early Christians, they always have the picture of an anchor on their tombstones. Why? Because that, as far as they were concerned, even though the, the, the lions had hitting them, the anchor holds. Many years ago, 2008, I believe, I was going through some terrible times. As a minister, things were rough and tough. I could not afford many things. I could not even afford to put food on the table for my family. It was, it was a battle. The ministry just started with just about six of us or seven or nine or so. And things were tough and rough. Very rough. And I sat down one day and I came across this song by Ray Bowles. And the title of that song is The Anchor Holds. Let me read the, 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 the chorus to you. He says, The Anchor Holds. Though the ship is battered, the anchor holds, though the sails are torn. He said, I have fallen on my knees as I face the raging storm. See, he said, but the anchor holds in spite of the storm. Let me sing it for you. you can go on the keyboard. Let me sing it for you. Don't mind my voice, but I can still remember the tune in my head. The anchor holds, though the ship is battered. The anchor holds, though the sails are torn. He said, I have fallen on my knees as I face the raging sea. But the anchor holds, in spite of the storm, I have fallen. On my knees, hey, as I face the raging sea, but the anchor holds in spite of the soul. Hallelujah. I have fallen on my knees as I face the raging sea. But the rest of God functioned in my life at that time as the anchor. People looked at me, despised me. They looked down on me. They talked about me. They spread rumor. They said, he's finished. They said, look at him. They said, look at what? Look at, look at this. But the anchor held on. My anchor then was the rest of the Most High God. And that rest is what I'm sharing with you today. That if there's anything that will help you to survive in the midst of the mess surrounding humanity today is the rest of the Most High God. Access to that rest. So the rest of God, that's the first fact. He served as an anchor. Number two. The second thing that's come about the rest of God in time of my trouble that helped me was that the rest, the God's rest, served also as a type of cocoon. You know what they call a cocoon? A cocoon is a silky case made by insects to protect itself while it's growing. 
like a butterfly, when it's in the stage of pupa, in the lava stage, he makes a cocoon. He, he, he spun it round around him so that he can go through the, the metamorphosis into being a butterfly. A cocoon, that's what the rest does, of God does. He puts you in a place where you cannot be hurt by what those who hate you are saying, by what those who betray you are saying, by what those who despise behind you are saying. You can't be hurt because there is a cocoon. It's called the rest of God. Somebody say, I have rest. <laughs> I prophesy that God will build a spiritual cocoon around you, over you, your household, your family, so that you will not be hurt by the words of men and their doings and operations, known or unknown, in the name of Jesus Christ. When I look at that cocoon, I realize that the reason why the, the insects build that cocoon around themselves is because at that moment in time, they are vulnerable. It's their vulnerable, most vulnerable time. They cannot afford to destroy the process that's about to go on. So when you, when you enter into God's rest, the rest builds a cocoon around your soul. So that you are protected. When that cocoon is not built, when you are not in the rest, you will speak like Job spoke in Job chapter 10 verse 1. Listen to what he said. When you have not entered into God's rest, and that rest has not protected your soul, you will be exposed to pain. You will be touched by everything everybody is saying, everybody is doing. When they call you names, you will be crying. When they say they won't play with you, you will be weeping. When they say they will leave you, you will be depressed. But if you have built rest around, if you have entered into God's rest, that rest will build a cocoon around you. Job chapter 10 verse 1. Listen, this was what happened to Job when he did not enter into rest. In Job 10 verse 1, look at what he said. This is what he said. He said, my soul is weary of my life. Can you imagine? That's a man of God speaking. He said, my soul is weary of my life. I will leave my complaint upon myself. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. That is a simple, a diff, I mean, that was something that, that took place because his soul was overwhelmed. With everything, he's lost all his children. He's lost all his business, businesses rather. He's lost all, everything that he ever built, he ever worked for. He even lost his wife. Everything was gone. He said, my soul is weary. Is that so what some of you are saying today? I have an instruction from heaven for you. Hear me. I prophesy. If you are weary, if you are troubled, if you are downcasted, if you are alone, if you have been deserted, if you have been betrayed, if you have been talked down on, if you have been put down, if you have been cheated, hear me today. All of those things may be there, but receive the rest of God in the name of Jesus for your souls. Receive that rest. Enter into it. In Psalm 33, from verse 1. You will see another man, a con but a, another man that had trouble, but a contrast. You will see there in Psalm 3, verse 1 to 3, David. Contrast, he had a cocoon built around his soul. He was in, in God's rest. Come and see, come and see this. Psalm 23 from verse 1. He said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Then he leadeth me beside what? The still waters. Now, one translation said, he leadeth me to a place of rest. The still water, sheep, does not, sheep don't like to drink from troubled waters. 
Sheep prefer calm waters. He said, God brought me to the place where there was calmness. And because I was in his resting place. Are you ready for verse 3? Because I was in his resting place, look at verse 3. Then he restored my soul. Receive that restoration for your soul. Every soul that is troubled, I prophesy restoration. I prophesy restoration in the name of Jesus. That word restoration from the word rest. The first four letters of the word restoration is spelled R-E-S-T, rest. There is no restoration without rest. You have to enter into his rest and he will begin to restore you. He said he maketh me to lie down in a resting place. A place of rest is a still place. He leadeth me by the still place. He leadeth me by the resting place. And as a result, my soul was restored. One tradition said my soul was refreshed. Another one said my soul was renewed. As a result of the rest that I have entered into. So it is as a cocoon. That's what it is. I like one translation of that verse, Psalm 23. The New Living Translation of the Bible, NLT. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He's, he's, he, he lets me rest. You see that? He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. You see that? As a result of that, he, verse 3 says, he renew my strength. Then he guides me. He renews my strength. Who am I talking to today? Maybe you are downcasted. You are overburdened, overwhelmed, overladen in life. You look to your right, no help. Look to your left, no help. People that said they will help you, they left you in the midst of your trials. People that said, don't worry, we'll be there for you. I no longer there for you. People that you thought you could lean on have taken away their hands. Now you have nothing to hang on to, nothing to lean on to apart from yourself. I want to introduce you to God's rest. If you are like that, hear me today. The rest of God is now your portion in Jesus' name. Amen. I like this other translation, the complete English, sorry, the contemporary English version of Psalm 23, verse 1 to 3. He said, you let me rest. He said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Then he let me by the sea water. Now look at it. He said, you let me rest in verse 2. Verse 2 of Psalm 23. Verse 2 of the CEV translation. You let me rest in fields of green grass. You let me rest in fields of green grass. You lead me to streams of peaceful water. Then you refresh my life. Look at that. Then you refresh my life. I don't know who I'm talking to today. But my God is bringing you into a place of rest. Receive that rest from the Most High God in the name of Jesus Christ. Say a big amen if you believe it. Now listen, number three, quickly, another fact about God's rest. There's so much to say, but I'll just give you three because I want to move on. Another fact about God's rest. Remember the first fact about God's rest? The second one also? This is the third one now. The first one said that it's an anchor. God's rest is like an anchor. The second one said God's rest is like a type of cocoon. And number three, it is an instrument of faith in God. It's an instrument of faith in God. Many years ago, I had a man of God by the name Bishop David Oyedepo made a statement, great man of God. He said, faith, he was defining faith. Because that's the message that God gave him to the world, the message of faith. To preach the word of faith. And the man said this. He said, faith is simply rest in God. That's it. He said, faith simply defined is rest in God. 
Can I say this to you? When the enemy lifts up all manners of troubles around you and you enter into God's rest, let me tell you how he feels. The reason why faith is a weapon, I'm sorry, why rest is a weapon of faith, an instrument of faith, is because it devastates the devil to see you at rest when, it's, when you ought to be crying. He devastates the devil to see a child of God resting in God when he has brought up all manners of trouble. Here and there, you've lost your job. Your auntie lost her husband. Your sister lost their job. Uh, her job. Your, 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 your son is asked to go home from school. All of that. When he sits in the midst of that, you are saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You spoke like Job spoke after a while. In, John 10, in Job 10, 1, he was complaining. But in Job 19, 25, he now said, I know that my redeemer liveth. We're coming to that. Rest in the midst of trouble. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego entered the fire and they had rest. Physical fire and they had rest. So the first reason why rest is a powerful instrument of faith is because it devastates the devil. The word, listen, that means it causes him. The word devastates means to cause someone severe and overwhelming grief. When you are at rest, the devil has severe and overwhelming grief. Number two, why is it that rest is a weapon against the devil? Because it confuses the devil. He confuses him. He does not understand why you shouldn't be troubled. He does not understand why you are not troubled. He does not understand why you are not running after scatter. He does not understand why you are not making phone calls. Hey, they're about to chase me out of my house. Oh, please, somebody help me. He does not understand why you are still saying, God is good. He does not. He's confused. Your rest confuses him. Please keep confusing him. That will confuse me. Bewildered. It means baffled. It means very puzzled and totally perplexed. That's what happened to the devil when you are at rest. It confuses him. And finally, why is it that rest is an, is an instrument of faith? Because God works when we are in a position of rest. God works best. Let me say it this way. God works best when you are in a position of rest. God works best. When your soul is in a position of rest. God works best when your soul is in a position of rest. Whatever you see God have done for anybody, God can do yours. Eyes have not seen your own. I've said it here many, many, for many, many years. There's nothing God is doing in somebody's life that he can't do for you. Just wait for the time. But between now and then, rest. Walk in rest, think in rest, talk in rest, sleep in rest, go out in rest, come in in rest, in the rest of the Most High God. The rest of God. Genesis chapter 2, let me give you this scripture, 21 to 22. How God created Eve. Look at how he did it. Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2, from verse 21 to 22. And the Lord caused a deep sleep, you see that, to fall upon Adam. That is it. Rest. Sleep is rest. He caused a deep sleep, so we can replace that word sleep with rest. He caused a deep rest to fall upon Adam, and, and he slept, he rested. And then he took one of the ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord had taken from man made he a woman and brought her to Adam, to man. And later you see the scripture say, when man saw he said, this is the bone of my bone, the flesh of my flesh. God does not make mistakes. God is a perfect God. If you let him give you your bone, it will be perfect. It will fit in. 
Maybe not physically, but it will fit in another area that matters to life and destiny. What am I trying to say here? If Adam was alive and God has said, Adam, oh yeah, lift up your hand, lift up your hand. Close your eyes, close your eyes. Don't say anything, I want to tear your flesh. Adam would say, eh? Tear my flesh? Adam would have struggled with God. There are Christians who are struggling with God today because they are not in a position of rest. You are struggling. Struggling. Earlier this year, a young lady in our church here, young lady in the choir. I called her, I said, my dear, I learned that you are preparing for your exam. She said, yes. And I learned that you have uh, not been coming for rehearsal in the choir. She said, yes, I have to prepare, I have to work. I said, listen to me very carefully, my young lady. I said, listen carefully. I said, it is not your labor that will get the job done. You have to labor, yes. I said, please, don't ever allow God's work to suffer. Just because you want to do an exam. I said, don't do that. I said, don't do that. I said, find, ask the Holy Ghost to give you wisdom to balance everything. Very lovely young lady, she obeyed. I said, because God will give you success. You will see. Very lovely young lady. Very obedient. She obeyed. And do you know what happened? Some few weeks after, coronavirus showed up. <laughs> then they locked down everywhere. By the time they were going to do the exam, they couldn't do it. So they have to let them use the result of their mock, which they had done, and which she, has done, she had done very well in. When I heard it, I said, this God is too much. He will honor his servants. Rest. I walk in rest. Sometimes last year, some of the members in our church came to meet me who were contractors. I said, sir, they are bringing the law out next, next year, April. This was last year. And it's going to make us to be paying so much. There will be, it will be too much on us. Too much or not, it will affect everything. I remember I told the two of them that came. I said, listen to me. I am a prophet of God, so listen to me. God will not allow anything evil to come upon that which you are using to support his kingdom. How God will do it? I said, I don't know. So a few months after, the year, which is, which is this year, coronavirus showed up. One of the first policies that the government suspended was that policy. Till today, they have not revisited it. And I don't think they are going to revisit it. They had, they, the two of them came and said, sir, ah, you said it all. I said, listen to me. I walk in rest. I am a child of the most high God, the almighty God. And I walk in rest. It does not mean I don't have pain. I have pain. I have grief. I have things I go through that are very tough. But I take the position of rest. I'm calm in God. Jesus was sleeping in the boat. The disciples were running at that skelter. <laughs> Jesus was speaking. Reference to this ministry, I've always taken the position of, of rest. Quickly, as I begin to close now, quickly, how can I access divine rest? Matthew 11, our text. How can I access divine rest? How can I enter into this rest, Bishop? Bishop, how can I, how can I come into this place where even if the mountains are falling on my life, on my, on my left, and the hills are making noise on my right, I will still be at rest. How? It's all in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Let's go there. Matthew 11, verse 28. I read. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden or laden, and I will give you rest. The first thing you have to do if you want to access rest is this. Go to the source of, the, of genuine rest. Go, I say it again, to the source of genuine rest. And that source is God. 
Look to the source of genuine rest. Many years ago, I had my father in the Lord, Reverend George, say this. He said, God is our source. Men are only his channels. There are people who are going to men to find rest. There are people who think their job, if only I can get that job of 60,000 a month, I will have rest. Go and meet those who earn a million a day. You see that they are not resting. This rest is only available at the source. And the source is God. The source is God. That's why he said, Jesus said, come unto me. Unto me. Not someone else, but unto me. Hebrews 12 verse 2. He said, looking unto Jesus. Go to the source. Stop going to men to find rest. You are troubled. You have a problem with your wife at home. Then you go to one uncle. Uncle, hey, uncle, you have to talk to me. What, what am I supposed to do? Now, uncle can advise. But before uncle advise, go to God. God is the source of rest. Uncle is a channel. And if God does not point to a channel, you ain't getting nothing. There are some counsel that friends have given their friend and made them pack out of their husband's house. And that friend packed him. Is that rest? <laughs> God is the source. God is not on anybody's side. God is a side all by himself. He will counsel you rightly. He will not counsel you with, with evil in his heart. Go to the source. Isaiah 45. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 22. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 22. God was speaking there. He said, look unto me and be ye saved. You see that? You look unto him. He said, look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. Please, do not let anybody play God in your life. Nobody should take the position of the Almighty and give you an impression that they are all in all. Nobody is all in all. They are only some in some. Are you hearing me? Everybody is some in some. Only God Almighty, Jehovah Jireh, him will call Yahweh his all in all. Shout hallelujah if you believe it. <laughs> He's the only all in all. Go to the source. Uncle, brother, bishop, archbishop, pastor, evangelist, they are channels. We are all channels. And if a channel is not connected to the source, he has nothing to give you. I love this translation. Listen to this. Of Isaiah 45 verse 22. Is the CEV translation, the contemporary English translation. He said, I invite the whole world to turn to me and be saved. I invite not East, not Australia, not uh, Africa. I invite the whole world to turn to me and be saved. For I alone am God. No others are real. <laughs> you like that? No others are real. In case you have never tested this God before, I have tested him. I know that he is real. He is real. Micah chapter 7 verse 7. I love it. Micah 7 7. Micah chapter 7 verse 7. Listen to what he said. He said, therefore, this is the prophet speaking. I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Who are you looking to? Go to the source. Jesus said, come to me, not to man, not to your place of work, not to your contract job, not to your employment, not to your, come to me for rest. I am the source of all 
blessed. I am. So many people have been deceived over the years by so-called spiritual people who say, when you are in trouble, just come to me. I will just lay hands on you. I jackalaba, jackalaba, oh, it will go. Go to God, please. Let God be primary. Let every man be secondary. Go to God. When you go to God and God gives you rest, whatever anybody will say, we only compliment that. Listen, God is the source. Men are his channels. Go to God. Jesus said, come to me. If you want to access rest, go to the source. Go to the source. Go to the source. I therefore release upon you the courage to go to the source from today in the name of Jesus Christ. Go to the source. The reason why we have been operating with low-level power, low-level strength in our spiritual life is because we are taking things from men, not from God. Half-baked word, half-baked counsel. Go to God. One word from God and your word will straighten up. One word from the Almighty and anything mighty enough to trouble you will be subdued. One word from Yahweh, are you with me? We make a way for you. One word from Yahweh, we make a way for you. Instead of you spending one hour with one uncle, I have nothing to tell you. Go to God. Isaiah 31, verse 1. I love this. God was speaking about those who go to other people. To get rest, to get help. Isaiah 31, verse 1. Listen to this. He said, woe to them that go down to Egypt for help. You see that? There is a curse. The word woe means curse. I don't want it to be curse. Don't go to anybody. Some people, they have, they will speak with authority, speak with audacity, speak with, ah, oh, me, I know what to do. I know how to handle men. Come to me, I will tell you how to handle your husband. I know how to bring up children. How old are your own children? <laughs> I told somebody recently who was trying to cancel someone whose child is in the university. Our own child is still in primary school. I said, look at you. <laughs> I said, you are going to that person for help? You have a child in university, you are going to somebody who has a child in primary school for help? Go to God. Go to God. Stop going to men. Look at what God said there. He said, curse. You are, he said, the person is cursed, not you. He said, the person, the people rather, who go to Egypt for help, they are cursed. Egypt is the type of the world. There are people who go to unbelievers. For counsel about how to, to order their marriage. How to live their life. Just because the unbeliever has two cars. And you have just a legged bench. You understand what I'm saying that? Legged bench. That is you have no car at all. And then you feel that the person that drives a better car is better than you are. If that was it, then there was a big mistake between Lazarus and the rich man in the Bible days. Understand this, God. Go to God. Don't Stop going to men to access what only God can give. Stop going to men to access only what God can give. Micah 7, sorry, Isaiah 31 verse 1. He said, woe to them that go down to Egypt for help and stay on horses and trust in chariots. You see that? You trust in their cars. Oh, look at him now. He's driving a Gulf Stream. He's driving Rolls Royce. So that means his help is, no, 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 no. Go to God. Go to God. He said, because they are many. You see that? That's why you're going to them. They are many. And in us, he said there are many, and in us men. He said, because they are very strong, but they look not unto the Holy One of Israel, neither seek the Lord. Neither seek the Lord. I have, I have a philosophy in my life. Whatever I want, I go to God first. From going to God, the wisdom to do it will come. I don't go to men. Who are men? What's a man? The Bible says, men whose breath is in his nostrils. A man. 
What is man that thou art mindful of him? That's what Psalmist told God. Or the son of man that thou exalted him above the angels. Say, what is man? And many of us, we give to men the honor that is due to God. To ordinary men, the honor that is due to God. Number two, quickly. How do I access God's help? Number one, I said, go to the source. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, come to me. Don't go to any man. Come to me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden will give you rest. I'm the one that gives it. So number two, how do I access the rest? Quickly, my time is, I don't have about seven more minutes or so. Oh, oh my God, I think I have just one minute for the seven seconds. So let's do this quickly. Number two, the second way to access God's rest is be prepared to assume or take the position of a receiver. Be prepared to take the position of a receiver. Now, listen very carefully to this. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. Now, listen to this phrase. I will give you rest. Now, if he's going to give, then you have to receive. Do you know you can give somebody something and they will not receive it? Have you ever tried it before? You try to give your child something and he puts his hand on the back. He's not receiving. Even though you are giving it, but the boy is not what? Receiving it. So if you want to access God's rest, please take the position of a receiver. I'll tell you three things about the position of a receiver and I'll move to the last one, which is very important. The first thing about a receiver is if you want to be a receiver, is this, be humble. The humble position, the position of humility is the position of a receiver. No arrogant man can receive something from God. Can I say that again? No arrogant man can ever receive. Not even forgiveness will you receive. You are too arrogant to, to receive it. Not even forgiveness can you receive. No arrogant, proud man will receive anything from God. First Peter chapter 5, verse 5. First Peter chapter 5, if you read verse 5. He said, God resists the proud. You see that? He can't give to the proud. He resists them. He resists, 1 Peter 5 verse 5, God resists the proud, but he gives what? Grace to the humble. But he upholds the humble rather, in spirit. He gives grace to the humble. If you are going to receive anything from God, please humble yourself. He takes humility to receive from the most high God. You can deceive men to receive from them, but to receive from God, you better be humble. You better be humble. And I forget the story of Elijah in 2 Kings chapter 1 when he was on top of a mountain and the king sent, sent uh, the first captain of 50 to him to go and call him because the king was sick. When the first captain of 50 got there, he was proud because he had 50 men and Elijah is alone. Elijah is alone, but he's got, <laughs> he got serious chariots and angels of fire around him. He said, man of God, come down. The king, we, have to, we need you to come. Elijah said, if I'm a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your, 60, and your 50. The fire came down and they all died. When they didn't see that one, they sent another captain of 50 again with his 50. When they got there, that was even more rude. Very rude. We have to learn how to speak to servants of God. Very rude. Just because he's a captain. The rank you have, we have rank on heart, we have rank in the spirit. So be aware of the right rank. <laughs> Look at it. It got to where Elijah was and said to Elijah, Elijah, man of God. He even said this way. He said, come down quickly. The king will have to see you. 
Elijah said, if I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume me on your 50. Fire came down and he died. Wow. Making 102 people dead. Then they, saw the th- they sent the third captain. When he got there, hey, he took the position of humility. That's the only way you can receive Elijah. Then the Bible says he did not stay at the bottom of the mountain. He climbed the mountain to where Elijah was. Then he bowed his head. And then he did not ask Elijah to come. He said, let my life and the life of these 50 be precious in your sight. They have families. They have children. We want to live long. Lisa. And the man did not even ask Elijah to come. It was God that spoke on his behalf. The Bible said, and the Lord said to Elijah, follow him. Do you know there are some people that blessings will not follow? God won't command the blessing to follow you. Why? Too arrogant. Too proud. In the book of Proverbs 29 verse 23. Proverbs 29 23. He said, a man's pride shall bring him low. Hey, which way are you going? Low or high? Watch it. It could be your pride. A man's pride shall bring him low. But honor, listen to this, honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. So to be a receiver, be humble. And number two, quickly, to be a receiver, I love this one, you have to be a believer. I don't want to spend too much time on this because I want to get to the last one. To be a receiver, you have to be a believer. Mark eleven twenty four. 24, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe first before you receive. John 11, verse 40, God spoke to Martha. He said, Martha, listen. He said, if thou couldest, wouldest believe, if thou wouldest believe, thou shalt see the glory of God. Between you and seeing God's glory, it's not the devil standing there, it's your lack of faith. To receive anything from God, you have to believe. To be a receiver, you have to be a believer. To be a receiver, you have to be a believer. Hebrews 3, from verse 18 to 19, listen to this. He said, and to whom? Hebrews 3, 18 to 19. Hebrews chapter 3, 18 to 19. He said, and to whom swear ye that they should not enter into his rest? Who did he swear to that they should not enter? Come and see the people that God said you will not enter. He swore that they will not enter. Who are they? But to them that believed not. You see that? They could not believe to receive. They could not believe to receive. They could not take the position of one that believed. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must come with their auntie. Must come with their uncle. Must come with their degree from Cambridge. No, must first believe that he is and is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If you are going to receive anything, believe. A receiver has to be a believer. Matthew 13 verse 58. The word of God says, and he, did, and he did not many, he could not do many mighty works. Matthew 15 verse 58. Sorry, Matthew 13 verse 58. And he did not do many mighty works. There, because of the devil. Because of Satan. No, because of their unbelief. Your unbelief will stop you from receiving from God. So when Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor, and I have you letting, and I will give you rest. Listen to me. You receive rest in faith. You just believe that it's been given, and you enter into it. Finally, quickly, because of time, I've got to close. The third, the third way to access God's rest. Remember the first way to access God's rest? Remember? The second way, remember? Good. Now, this is the third way 
to access God's rest. If you are going to access the rest of God, be prepared to be in sync. S-Y-N-C. Sierra, Yankee, Nanny, Charlie. You understand that? <laughs> S-Y-N-C. Sync. Be prepared to be in sync with God. That word sync also means synchronize. Now, remember in Matthew 11 verse 29? After God has said in verse 28, come unto me, all you that, I mean, Jesus has said in verse 28, come unto me, you that labor and every land, and I will give you rest. Then in verse 29, he said, take my yoke upon you. The yoke is an instrument that is used in the field to connect together two animals of burdens, most especially the oxen. When the yoke connects them together, the two of them are in sync. Can I say that again? They are in sync. Normally, they will always bring a, an inexperienced oxen and join him to an experienced oxen. And then put a yoke around their neck so that they can pull the burden that is behind them, the load behind them. Now, the inexperienced oxen, as a result of the presence of the yoke on his neck and being yoked with the older, experienced, well-knowledgeable Oxen will now do exactly what the older oxen is doing. So if the older oxen goes left, the inexperienced oxen goes left. If the more ex if the experienced oxen goes right, the inexperienced ones goes right. Now that is what is simply referred to as synchronization. When you synchronize, let me give you some few minutes so, synonyms here. It means to cause something to operate at the same time and at the same rate. To cause something to operate at the same time and at the same rate. You want to access God's rest? Sync with God. Hallelujah. Be yoked with the Almighty. If God moves in direction A, go there. Don't follow the multitude going direction B. Be in sync and you will see rest. I say this without no no, no, no apologies. Listen very carefully to this. As a child of God, I have always used the rest in, of God in my soul to determine whether or not God is with me or with an action that I'm taking. The moment I am out of sync, the first thing I lose, I say this under God today, listen very carefully, the first thing I lose is my rest. But if I take an action and my rest is multiplied, I know I'm in the direction of the Most High God. I may not be popular with men, but I know God is in sync with me. I know that is the direction in which it's going. And over the years, I've, I've, I've been able to master that. The rest, the presence of the rest is what I use. Hmm? Have I lost my rest? Have I lost my peace? If you stay there and it's increasing, ah, I'm doing exactly what God is doing. When you are in sync with the Most High God, you synchronize with Him. That word synchronize represents a simultaneous action. You are simultaneous with God. He goes left, you go left. He goes right, you go right. I'm coming, just, just follow me please. I, I will soon close, but just follow me. It, the word synchronize also means it represents a concurrent action. A synchronized action is a concurrent action. It's a simultaneous action. It also means uh, uh, coming together. It also means to harmonize. It also means to coincide. It also means to match together. It also means to agree. 
It means totally. It means identical. And it means accord. Shout hallelujah wherever you are. It means accord. When we say we are in one accord, that means we've synchronized our spirit together. We are together with him. We are joined together with him. Now, let me bring it down a little bit. There are people, listen very carefully. In Job 22 verse 21, let me just give you the scripture. It says in Job 22 21, Acquaint now thyself with him. You see that? Acquaint means be in agreement. Be sync with God. Synchronize with God. Acquaint now thyself with him. And what happens? And be at peace. When you are in sync with the most high God, rest, peace will be your portion. He said, thereby good shall come unto thee. You see why good has not come? You are not in sync with God. That's why you have not been able to access his peace. You have to be in sync with him. I love this amplified translation of the Bible. Of Job 22, 20, 21. Of Job 22, 21. The Amplified Translation. The Amplified. It says, now yield and submit yourself to him. Agree with God and be conformed to his will. Be conformed to his will. And then be at peace. He said, in this way, you will prosper and be great. And good will come to you. One area. As I close, one area where that is needed, where synchronization is needed in your life as a believer that I want to major on and I'll close is in what I call the synchronization, is what I call synchronization in kingdom service. Synchronization in kingdom service. Listen, it takes labor to enter into rest. It takes service to enter into rest. Serving God to enter into rest. I will show you. Hebrews 4.11. Come and see this. People don't enter into rest by just sitting down. They labor to enter. That's why I say kingdom service is your key to enter into rest. But it has to be a synchronized kingdom service. I will tell you what a synchronized kingdom service is. Before now you have heard me talk about kingdom service. I'm, today I'm talking about synchronized kingdom service. He said let us labor. Hebrews 4.11. Let us labor therefore. You see that? Let us serve. Let us walk, therefore, to do what? To enter into that rest. Lest any man fall after the same example of what? Unbelief. So you see that it takes work to get there. And kingdom service is one of the ways you labor. You cannot be laboring on the altar, laboring in the church, laboring in your marketplace for the kingdom of God, laboring in your family, and you will not access rest. But it has to be synchronized labor. I will tell you what synchronized labor is. Remember Jesus said, take my yoke. Don't do it on your own. There are people who are just gallivanting around on the field on themselves. Just gallivanting. Doing what they want to do. But a synchronized action or a synchronized labor is this. Number one. It is doing what God wants you to be doing. That's it. Not what men want you to be doing. What God wants you to be doing. Number two. It's doing... What God wants you to be doing, where God wants you to be doing it. And people just choose, okay, I will go here. Uh, I will go there. I have choices. I will go there. You don't understand what synchronized labor is. Synchronized kingdom service. God said I will give them a pastor after my heart. You don't choose your pastor. He gives you a pastor. I will give them shepherd. People now, as if pastors are 
on Tesco shelf. I like this one. I will pick this one. And then they go there, spend 15 years, and it's 15 years that's not written in heaven. Because they're not doing what they're not, they're not doing what God wants them to do. They are doing what God wants them to do, but not where God wants them to be doing it. So synchronized action, labor, is doing what God wants you to do, to be doing, where God wants you to be doing it, how God wants you to be doing it. How does he want you to be singing? How does he want you to be playing the keyboard? How does he want you to be serving in the ushering team? How does he want you to serve in the children's team? How? It's not how you want to serve. It's how does he want you to. If you are doing it how you want it to be done, you are not synchronized. You are not in sync with the Almighty. You are serving. You are sweating. I can see this sweat. You sweep. You run around. I see. But is that how he wants you to be doing it? Synchronized labor. Doing it how he wants you to be doing it and at the pace he wants you to be doing it. Are you doing it passionately enough? I know you are doing it, but you are slow and st- you, are, you are slow, you are, you are, you are slothful with it. You're not doing it with passion. You must do it at the pace that he wants you to do. Because when that big oxen is moving on, that small oxen cannot say, ah, I can't move like you. No, you have to sink. Doing it to the extent God wants you to be doing it. The extent, the degree that he wants you to do it. People give offering. And when they give offering, God said, I can't accept that because that's not to the extent that I expect you to give it to. People sing, but they don't sing to the extent that God wants them to sing to. People preach, but they don't preach to the extent that God wants them to preach to. Pastors study, but they don't study to the extent. I met a pastor some time ago. I saw him listening to a message. I said, oh, that's a powerful message. I said, no, it's my Sunday message. He said, don't keep quiet. I said, Sunday message? That, that I would just dub it, put it down, and I'll go and preach to the people. I said, wow. I said, you, you, you won't go to God to ask. He said, ah. I said, who has that time? How can I go to God to do what? That day I rebuked him so sharply. I didn't say he was my friend. I said, my dear brother, you are setting yourself up for a fall. Jesus said to Peter, if you love, he said, do, he said, do, I, he said, he said, do you love me? He said, yes, I do. He said, feed my sheep. Is this where you will feed the sheep? So you better go and burn the candle in the night. Go before God and receive a word in season. And let that word be delivered to them. He looked at me and said, ah, is it that serious? I said, is that serious? We are laborers. We are not hotelians. We are not holiday makers. We are not here for holiday on hand. We are here to labor. Labor! Paul told Timothy, study to show that's ever proven to God. The first message I ever preached in my life, it took me over 30 hours to prepare it. And even after that, I was still shaking. Over 30 hours. Not a stretch, over 30 hours combined. Preached that message, Federal Government Girls College, New Busa. Never forget. Went to represent my, uh, my, one of my uh, big brothers there, Reverend Sam. He said, go there, he said, go there, I represent him. 20 years after, I met a young lady. Who walked up to me and said, I was one of those who got saved on that day, sir. And I'm still saved today. 30 hours of, of preparation. See what he got. With grace on it anyway. See what. 20 years. The faith was still there bubbling. She said, and many of us, so all of us, said, we're over 100 students that got saved that morning. She said, a lot of us were still in touch and we are still saved. At times I look at myself. I say, when you get to heaven, wow, you'll be shocked. The people that will come and meet you. We are still saved, sir. Secondary school students, now they are, they are millionaires, they are medical doctors, they are engineers, they're all over the place. I don't even know. It was only that lady that came to me. That's the only lady I know. He said, we still talk about that day today, the day we found Jesus. 
but they didn't know it took me 30 hours. And the journey was over eight hours to get to where they were. We are laborers. We are not playmakers. This is not a joke. Ministry is not a joke. Some people, they say they don't have any job to do, want to come into ministry. I said, don't try it. As I said, the scriptures very well. God don't call lazy people. Ministry is work. Ministry is work. That's why somebody told me, <laughs> one of my protocol officers many years ago, said that somebody called her. I said, ah, you want to work with Bishop Yomi? Ah, that man is a worker. All you go, you will work. She said, she, said she, told, she told the friend, I said, you know what? I'm already doing the work. I can feel it. He said, but it's good. Jesus said, he said, I'm here to work. John chapter 9 verse 4, I must work the work of him that sent me. John 5, 17, my father walked, he that who I walk. John 19 verse 30, I have finished the work. He was walking, 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 walking. What do you think we should be doing? Sleeping, going on holidays. Ministry is not for people who, are, who want to flange around and just drive good cars and just wear suits and just say, you know what? You have to burn the candle in the night. You have to receive grace. You have to pay the price. Doing what God wants you to do, where God wants you to do it, how God wants you to do it, at the pace at which He wants you to do it, to the extent that God wants you to do it, and finally with the person that God wants you to do with it, to do it with. That's synchronized kingdom labor. Some people are doing what God wants them to do, how God wants them to do, but they're doing it with the wrong person. The wrong person. Jesus, as I close, practice synchronized kingdom service. Say with me, synchronized kingdom service. Say it louder, synchronized kingdom service. Say it one more time, synchronized kingdom service. Not just kingdom service that you should be involved in. Take my yoke, sync, be in sync with me. Be in sync with me. Do the media work like he wants you to do it. Preach like he wants you to preach. Jesus practiced synchronized kingdom service when he was here on the earth. In his, during his ministry on earth. I'll give you some scripture to tell you that. He was so synchronized with the father that he said in John 10.30, he said, I am my father, we are one. <laughs> that was in, he was so in sync with God. That he said, I am my father, we are one. John 10.30. In John chapter 5, verse 17, I quoted that earlier on. He said, my father walketh, hitherto I walk. In other words, what I see my father do, that's what I'm doing. I've seen, I am in, oh, I prophesy in the name of Jesus over you that you will come into sync with God from this day forward in the name of Jesus Christ so that your labor will not be wasted. Some people went to God after they died. They said, how come they shut the door? How come? We cast out devils in your name. We heal the sick. Is that not what God wants to do? Heal the sick, cast out devil. Jesus said, I know you not. How can God not know people that were casting out devils? They were not doing what God wanted them to do. They were not in sync with him. They were not doing it where God wanted them to do it. They were not doing it at the pace at which God wanted them to do it. They are not doing it with the same passion that God wants them to do it with. John Chapter 5, verse 30. Look at Jesus. Jesus was always in sync. John chapter 5, verse 30. He said, I can of my own self do nothing. You see that? As I hear, somebody say, from today I will hear. Come and say to yourself, say, from today I will hear from heaven. He said, as I hear, I judge. The way I judge, if you see my anger, my judgment, is because of what I'm hearing. 
As I hear, I judge. My judgment is just. That's what Jesus was saying. Because I seek not my own will. You see that? But the will of the Father which has sent me. So he was in sync with the will of God. John 12, 50. John chapter 12, verse 50. Listen to this again. He wa Jesus was in sync with the Father throughout. He said in John 12, 50, And I know that his commandment is life, everlasting, whatsoever I speak therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. You see, he was not speaking what he wanted. He was speaking as the Father spoke to him. What I'm saying to you today is what the Father spoke to me. I am in sync with the Most High God. Be in sync with God with your kingdom service. John 14 verse 10. Believest thou not? John 14 verse 10. Believest thou not that I am in the Father? And the Father in me? You see how sync they were. He said, the words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself. You see that again? But my Father, but the Father rather, that dwelleth in me, doeth the works. I am in sync with the Father. John 8 verse 38, the A part. John 8 verse 38, the A part. He said, I do that which I have seen with the Father. Can you imagine that? I am doing that which I have seen with the Father. So this man Jesus was doing exactly everything that Jesus was doing. John 8, John 8 26, listen to this. John 8, 26. He said, I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true. And I speak the word, those, I speak to the world, those things which I have heard of him. Now as I close, Jesus says something about the Holy Ghost. You see, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, they are in sync. Jesus said, the spirit of truth shall not speak of himself. But the, he said, but it will take of me and then show it to you. You see how the Holy Ghost works? The Holy Spirit is working in sync with God. If you are going to enter into rest, you've got to be in sync with the Almighty God. And one area you have to be in sync with the Almighty God is in the place of kingdom service. And I want to close with this song. Beautiful song. Whatever you are doing in this season, don't do it without me. Just give me a key there. Stand on your feet wherever you are and sing this song with me. You don't want to do it without him. If you're going to access rest, then be in sync with God. Be sync with God. Synchronize with him. Synchronize with him. Synchronize with him. Lift up your hands. We're going to sing that song together. Whatever you are doing in this season, if they can find it, they will put it on the screen for you. But if not, these are the words. Whatever you are doing in this season, Lord, don't do it without me. Help me, guys. Don't do it without me. Again, come on, say. No, 
talking about you're asking me to go to you're asking me to go to the source I don't even know this Jesus well you have an opportunity today if you're sorry if you're asking how can I know this Jesus because eternity is calling on you wherever you are by your heads and pray this prayer with me Say, dear Lord God, I come to you today as a sinner to receive the forgiveness of my sins. The ones I know and the ones I can't remember. I ask, Lord, that you wash me clean with the blood of your son Jesus Christ I give you thanks for saving my soul say I believe with all my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead and I confess with all my mouth that Jesus is Lord fill me with your Holy Spirit 
me a new creation. Thank you, Father, for saving me. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for these ones who have prayed, those ones who have prayed that prayer. I ask in the name of Jesus that the Holy Spirit will perfect the work of redemption in their lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You are welcome to the family of God. I'm so excited for you. You are welcome to the family of God. You may be seated. Glory, wherever you are.